Hi, this is Millie, and welcome to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you will find the validation and love you've been searching for. First, welcome to my new listeners, and like always, thank you to my loyal listeners. I hope you're getting something out of my podcast, and I hope that you do feel that validation. And that you listen and you hear something and you go, that was me. Because that's such a powerful thing. And I know because that's why I do this. Because that happened to me many times. Reading books and being in a support group. Just reading someone else's experience and going, oh, that's what was happening to me. Right? That's why I do this. Um, If you don't already do so, please go to my Instagram page at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word. And of course, I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, so I hope you had a nice Valentine's Day. Um, Mine was extremely quiet. Um, Of course, I'm, I'm married, but this is my personal opinion about Valentine's Day. It's it's a. A day that people spend a lot of money and a lot of, they stress out over. And I think love is something that should be celebrated every single day, not just on one specific day. But nonetheless, it's not that I'm anti-Valentine's Day. I just, we, we lay low and we, we always do that. We, we It's been years since we just decided we do our own thing. You know, we don't we don't go out of the, our way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, but I hope you had a nice day. And my hope and wish for you guys is that love is your central th- theme in your life. Because without love, we cannot get through our own lives, especially us, right? If you're listening to this. We need love. We need to give love. Right? We need to give that all that love that we mistakenly gave to our narcissist. We need to give to other people who really deserve it. Give it to the animals if that's if you have pets. Give that love because that's what we need. That's what we thrive on. Right? And hopefully You are also receiving love. But don't forget, the minute that you open your heart, things start to happen, right? Okay, so enough of the mushy. (laughs) And let's get on with um, a topic that I have actually mentioned on my Instagram page a few times. But I haven't really talked about it in length on a podcast. And I don't know... How much time I can spend talking about. So I don't know how long this podcast will be. But it's reactive abuse. Okay. And I've given, and I talk about it that way because I actually read it on another Instagram page that I follow. That it's called reactive abuse. Right. And, and what is it? Okay. So reactive abuse is when <clears throat> the narcissist or anyone provokes you. Okay, provokes you. And when you finally retaliate, you finally 
um, involve yourself in the argument that they want, then they step back and they call you names like you're violent or they act at, like the victim. Look, look at how he or she behaves towards me. Look at the disrespect. Okay. I'm sure all of you have heard that, you know, the disrespect, um, with me, it was being called violent. I was called violent so many times. I can't even count it. And not only was I called violent, I was, um, during the smear campaign, which started to happen a lot earlier than I even knew, I was being called violent to my family because she was provoking the fights. Now, this is an especially evil, underhanded, cruel tactic that a narcissistic parent uses. And I say that because this is one of those tactics that you don't necessarily pick up on when it's happening to you, that it's happening. You have no idea what's happening. In and of itself, all it is is they're poking at you. They're, they, they, they say things to you to make you upset, right? They bring up the past. Um, they may say, bring up something that in their minds was a mistake that you made or an actual mistake because, oh, you know, I'm human. So I made a mistake, you know, kill me for it. We've all made mistakes and we, and it's, it's not only is it okay, it's necessary. Mistakes in our lives, the mistakes that we make are necessary. Why is it necessary? Because we learn. There's, it's, it's an unfortunate plight <laughs> that we cannot learn life experience from other people or from hearing or seeing other people's mistakes. No matter how much you see someone else's mistakes, you're going to make your own. You might make the same exact one because our feelings are involved when we make our mistakes and that's how we learn. Okay, that's an internal thing that's built in us to learn by experiencing things. That's why it's called experience. <laughs> it's too bad, you know, it's such a nice word, right? We, we use the word experience on our resume, right? Experience, this is, this is what I've done. These are my accomplishments. But experience also means these are my, you know, mistakes. And this is what I learned. But that's what makes us mature, right? That's why when you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s and you listen to a 20-something-year-old who thinks they know it all, you want to shoot yourself in the head because they have no, not much experience. And I'm sorry if any of you are in your 20s. You, you, you've got to understand a little bit that what brings wisdom is time and living, right? And when you're in your 20s, you haven't had much time to live. And because you're inexperienced, you think you know everything. Um, but you'll see, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put you down. <laughs> That's, no. 
I'm not going to put you down here. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just saying with time you learn, right? Your 30s is where you start to calm down and start to see the world differently and being more responsible. And then your 40s, that's when you start to really stand in who you are. Right? Okay, so I'm totally off course here. But so far, you know, at least an interesting thing. And it's also a way for you to not feel so terrible about where you are in your life right now. Um, Because we are all such stronger people. We are the strongest people, in my opinion. We are the strongest people because we have survived... No matter where you are in this process, no matter if you're in contact or not, we have survived abuse from the moment we were born. So I consider us just the strongest people on this planet and the smartest, right? Because we know so much about life, about people. We know that we can't just trust people. Okay, so talking about reactive abuse. It's so underhanded and it can go so far that you feel depressed, crazy, anxious. It's it's a form of gaslighting because it's a lie if you think about it. If they're making you fight and then they call, they're victimized themselves, but they caused it, that's a lie. That's not what happened. So it's it's a form of gaslighting. And in my in my experience and some of yours may be the same. I've heard over and over and over again how many of you have been suicidal, have attempted suicide. I'm one of those people. I never made an attempt but one day I almost did and you know I was lucky enough to have someone in my life who ultimately wasn't good for me but at that moment was the person who I was able to lean on and not really understand why I felt the way I did I was in a desperate situation I knew something was really wrong I was at work in my, I, I left my job to go in my car and call my, my psychiatrist and cry inconsolably. And I didn't know why. That is the worst place to be in. Feeling so desperate and not knowing the reason. Having no idea what the reason is. And looking back at it now with my eyes of so many years of, of studying this and, and, and being involved in it, knowing that my mother was provoking fights every time she saw me. Every time. That's what was making me feel desperate. I did, And then acting as if I was violent. That's what was making me feel crazy. And and I'm sure a lot of you may right now be sitting there with your mouth open. 
and going, oh my God, I didn't realize what was happening. And I'm sorry if it happened to you because it is the worst thing. One of the worst things that can happen is that kind of crazy confusion and realizing this is what it is. But if you are just realizing it, congratulations. You are no longer going to feel that way about this kind of reactive abuse anymore. You're going to be on to the narcissist. And that is why I always say to never, ever, ever tell the narcissist that they are a narcissist. Do not tell them what you know about narcissism or about what, what, you know, I know what you're doing. I know that you're trying to hoover. Don't ever, ever, ever let them know what you know, because that is your most powerful tool is that you know what they're doing. And that is a way that if you have to have contact, you can protect yourself. Because you know what they're doing. Right? You know that what they say is this or that. Right? I I know that a lot of times, and, and I do get the, the personal messages, the DMs on Instagram... And I and I get those questions about, you know, I can protect myself around the narcissist because I know so much. And then they say something else. And I and I know that they're not really protecting themselves because the narcissist is so sneaky that you can't possibly know everything they're capable of doing. And that's why I'm always the one that's going to say it's better to distance yourself if you can't go no contact or if you don't want to. But to have emotional distance as well as real distance, you know, don't talk to them as much. Don't give them the opportunity to abuse you as much. And, and try to protect yourself so that you can begin to heal from all of those wounds. So... Yeah, reactive abuse is one of the worst, if not the worst. It was the worst for me. My mother has done things that I now see very clearly, right? But they always seemed off. Like her pulling me out of college, a college that I loved. I say that so much because I think that it's in the top five worst things she did. She told me when I was graduating from, from, from high school... That I either had to work or or go to college. And I chose college because I loved college. I loved being in a classroom and educating and being educated, making friends at school. It was it was a great experience for me. And she pulled me out. So she didn't give me that choice for real. That wasn't a real choice. The plan was in place that she was gonna take me out. And make me go to work full time when I wasn't ready for the real world at 19. And it was her fault I wasn't ready for the real world. Because there was such an an enmeshment there. That I was in a bubble of, I, of not knowing what the real world was like. She didn't let me live. So I didn't know anything about it. And I went into a two week long 
sustained panic attack. And it was a horrible two weeks. But I, w- I won't talk about that because that always, it just, it's horrible. It was a horrible time, you know. But reactive abuse, it can, it can make you want to kill yourself because you don't understand why you feel so horrible. And they keep doing it. They keep doing it. When I was getting separated, and this is a story I don't tell very often, um, when I was getting separated in 2005 from my husband, I began, or I should say, I continued a, a relationship that I had had when I was very, very young, before I met my husband, obviously. And I picked up that relationship again. I was in contact with this man throughout, you know, those years, but sparingly here and there, a hello, how are you? And he had been married too. He was actually getting separated too. Um, he was a soldier. He was actually in Afghanistan or Iraq. (laughs) I'm so happy. I don't remember. I really am. (laughs) That means that that much time has passed and my emotions aren't there anymore. But anyway, she knew about it. She, of course, because I told her everything, right? So our relationship was through instant messages and phone calls. And she, I, I was talking to her, my mother, I don't remember what I was saying, but, you know, there were plans in the works for me and him to be together when he got back, which turned out to be never, I mean, for me, never three years later, he, he decided to stay. That's another part of the story. Um, and my mother said to me, I hope a bomb goes off in front of him and kills him that day was a day that I saw it was a little pinprick of light of who she really was that came through because she's very Catholic and her saying those words to me seemed blasphemous and horrendous that a devout Catholic would wish death on someone especially a soldier right someone who has given risk their lives to keep us free right and I looked at her and I remember saying to her how could you say that and I began to cry because it hurt it hurt that she wished him dead so this is what I'm talking about these people really are not good people. It's not that they have a personality disorder that makes them who they are. They've chosen to go down this path. They did. I've read many things and every single one comes to the conclusion that somewhere in their teenage years, they made this choice. It's crazy to think that a 15-year-old is going to make a choice like that. 
And it might not have been 100% conscious, but they decided, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anyone mess with me because I was abused or I'm being abused by my parent. And it, it, they start to mess with people and they start to manipulate people and they get really good at it. And by the time they're adults, they, they can do it really well. And that's what happens, right? And this is one of the most evil of the tactics is that reactive abuse. And her telling me that she wished that this person died from having a bomb thrown at them. That was reactive abuse too. Anything that they do or say to get a reaction out of you is reactive abuse. Most of the times it's not as, as clear as that was because she said it. You know, she said she wanted him dead. Most of the times it's the provoking you to fight. And you don't see the pr- provocation. You don't see what they're saying or doing. And then it's so often that it, it really turns into a problem in your head, into depression. And I'm sure that many people have actually gone as far as, as ending their lives because of it. So I'm going to end there because I've talked for over 20 minutes. I told you something I hadn't talked about on any of my podcasts about myself. And I hope that you can now see when your parent or whomever is just trying to get a rise out of you, but it's really difficult to pinpoint, but maybe now you will be able to see it and not react. That's the way to deal with that. You don't react. You don't fight. You let them say whatever they want. And realize that they're trying to hurt you and and put up a wall and say that they're not going to hurt me and I'm not going to get mad and I'm not going to react. And that takes practice because it's not easy. It's not easy. So I hope that this has helped some of you. Um, I just posted, I just did put a post out on, on Instagram and I got one comment and, you know, and, and I like to hear the, this is me, um, comment. This is exactly my situation because that's what I do this for. That's why my intro says that where you get the validation and love that you're searching for, because I know that you need that validation. You need to know that you're not alone. And I needed to know that too. And I know I'm not alone. I have all of you. To, to, and it shows me. And you know, there's way more people probably involved in all of my stuff than I know. Right? I have so many followers, but then I have people who listen to my podcast who may not follow me on Instagram that, I don't, that are in the background there. And I may not know your name, and I might not know your handle... But I know that you're out there and I know that you listen and I know that you feel that validation. So that's why I do this. 
So again, I'm sending you my love because the love is what we what we give, like I said in the beginning. And I hope you have a wonderful week. And until next time.